If you're ready to confront your destiny, if this is the moment that you've been praying for, tune in and listen to your cosmic cheerleader, Commander Lady Athena, for cosmic pep talks, for closet Christ. The show is the voice of the Ashtar Command. The call is for you to step forward into your greatness. Be listening on Wednesday. We have an appointment with destiny. Greetings in the supreme love that we are each an embodiment of. I'm Commander Lady Athena, and you're listening to the voice of the Ashtar Command. Cosmic pep talks for Closet Christ. Our seminar topic is the Sword of Cleavage. A time of testing and choosing. So if you're ready, let's take a deep breath together and release the day and everything but this moment and quietly present yourself before the all that is as a simple conduit of love. As we take our next breath, let's have the intention to call ourselves and our greater aspect forward into your present body, mind, and personality. Visualize yourself as an immortal light being descending and integrating through the top of your head and flooding your entire physical body all the way down to your feet with your divine presence. Ready? Take a deep breath. Bring it right down to the top of your head. Fill your entire physical body with the light of your divine presence and expand it beyond your physical form's definition. See the illusion of your physical encasement dissolve and you simply are present as a divine presence unique in all of existence. Perfect, whole, forever divine. United as one with the Supreme Self. And let's take one more deep breath and allow yourself to experience that undefined presence that simply is existence, awareness, and bliss. Deep breath. And if you've closed your eyes, you might want to open them and observe 
the sensations that you may be experiencing as you consciously incorporate your divinity. My body starting to rock back and forth. Sometimes that happens. You might feel chills, you might feel cool, you might feel hot. You might feel nothing at all, but that's rare. If you pay attention, you probably will feel some difference now that you have consciously called yourself forward in your true divine essence. We're going to chant Hugh, H-U, three times. And as we do, the mind is quieted and becomes entrained in that divine name that applies to the nameless and the formless divinity that is omnipresent, but also operates in you as you. So I'm going to take another deep breath. Just observe how still the mind becomes. All the agitation simply dissolves when you chant. When you're conscious of your breathing, the mind is stilled. When you're involved in chanting, the hue, the mind is stilled. Just notice that. And you can do that anytime you want to transcend the agitations and the aggravations that besail the mind on a regular basis, as we all know. So you can give yourself a divine vacation from yourself. <laughs> your self-preoccupation, your worries, your vexations and agitations by simply focusing on your breath and chanting Hue or Om or whatever chant works for you. But the Hue is quite universal and simple. So we're in, obviously, a time of tremendous testing, choosing, tumult, cleaving of the way. And I wonder how you're experiencing the sword of cleavage. 
there is going to be a division as people choose who they're going to serve, what they're going to invest themselves into, what they're going to align with. You might say a choice of what? Well, that's the testing, isn't it? You see, with the advent of the world teacher, the anointed one and ones that have entered our world and those who are also poised to enter our world, be they of this planet or of extraterrestrial origin, they're offering a new way of life totally different than the way we have been living that nearly every single one of us is not pleased with. There's a tremendous battle of ideologies and social and political and religious and business and all kinds of agendas. And we have to make that choice what aligns with our truth, our core of being, our values, what we would like our lives to be about. And sometimes that takes some sorting out. And everything seems to be in flux right now. There is nothing that you can say for certain, really, about anything, other than you're here right now and hopefully listening Because we want to speak to you, who you really are. Not to the labels you've worn, not to the past that you've identified with. Not to anything at all. But you, unadorned. Unconditioned. Simply presenting right now. In this moment. So let me ask you, where are you right now? What's going on? What is your life about? We all have the same 24-7. How are you investing your time, your energy, your life force? Your choices up till now have placed you exactly where you are. So where are you placed right now in your life, in your emotions, in your physical presentation, in your state of well-being? Where are you right now? You and your choices placed you there. And if you're not pleased, you can change that. But let me ask you more specifically, why are you here on this planet what is your life's purpose? You know, lifespans on Earth are very brief compared to other planets. So whatever you are here to accomplish, you have to get on with it. There's no time to waste. To waste time is to waste your life. So are your choices aligned right now with what you perceive 
as your purpose. Are you living in sync with your purpose? Are you moving toward that fulfillment of purpose? Or are your choices leading you away from it? You have to be really honest with yourself. Are your choices in your daily life fulfilling and leading you to the fulfillment of your purpose? To be very blunt and forgive me, this present life opportunity may, if you waste it, cause you to have to wait another 26,000 years to have the same opportunity you have before you right now. How is that? Well, for one thing, you have a rare, full avatar on the planet. When the great God-realized woman saint, Sri Ananda Moima, was asked about the full avatar, Satya Sai Baba, she finally said, because she was silent for many years when people would ask her, is Sai Baba divine? Is he God? Is he an incarnation of God, which is a, uh, the definition of a full avatar? And she said, listen, I will say this only once, so pay attention. It will be another 50 centuries before another soul such as his comes upon the earth. So that's one reason. The second reason is that you are at the end of a 26,000-year cycle, a 3,500-year cycle, and a 2,500-year two, a cycle. Three cycles ending at the same time. You are at the closing of one age and the inauguration and opening unto another. You are at the very end of the Piscean Age, the old age of authoritarian figures and putting your authority into outer people, places, and things, and entering the Aquarian energy, which is all about realizing the self and extending that realization collectively into what we would call the seventh golden age, the Satya Yuga, the age of truth, the age of enlightenment, the age of the Holy Spirit. There are many ways to refer to this time. But you're in a crucial moment of quantum leaping into a future totally unspoiled by the past. The indigenous elders and some of the extraterrestrial contacts have said that we will be changed very rapidly in the twinkling of an eye. The Bible refers to that in Thessalonians. That we will put on incorruptibility. We will go from mortal flesh to incorruptibility. 
in the twinkling of an eye, which has actually been measured. <laughs> so what I'm saying is that we are clinging to old world, old world, old way, obsolete patterns, habits, ways of thinking and living for dear death. <laughs> and we're afraid to let go and let spirit have its way with us. We all are resisting that change. It's inevitable. You can't stop it any more than you can prevent a birth from happening when its time has come. And so we must let go and allow this miraculous shifting of consciousness to occur. And every single place you're holding on, physiologically, you will have pain. And I can tell you, <laughs> this time is excruciatingly painful. Physically, emotionally, mentally, psychologically, in every way, we are being forced to let go. And that's not easy for any of us. I don't care who we are, what we are, what we believe. We have overcome. This time of testing us is testing every one of us to the maximum. It's fortunate we're never given anything we can't handle. And we're never brought to anything by the divine that the divine doesn't work us and accompany us through it. But oh boy, is it a walk of faith. And when you walk in faith and not by sight, you don't know for certain if that step is going to rise up under your foot when you step out. You don't know when you step off the edge of the precipice if you're going to be caught dash to the rocks below or fly so this is where that faith is going to be tested because for every single one of us it's a letting go of everything we have thought of we knew believed all of it we're left literally with our own self and it's the capital S I'm referring to. It's that which is within that's greater than that which is without. So the sword of cleavage is going to cleave everything that does not serve your higher divine purpose and manifestation. Everything goes that's not part of that. Everyone in your life that is not walking in sync with your overall purpose, it's going to fall away. And they're either going to be walking with you or they're going to be going off into a sea of chaos because those who are not with the light cannot accompany those who are walking in the light. There is no fellowship between darkness and light. And you can only see 
and observe by the daily choices a person is making, whether they are of the light or the darkness. It's very revealing. It's very telling. Does someone always walk in the light? I would have to say once you've chosen the light, yes. You may have moments when you are tempted and veer a little bit off the path, but there is something so powerful within you that will jerk your chain, so to speak, and get you right back on the path or will make you so abysmally miserable that it's very obvious to you that you've taken a wrong step. You will never feel joy and happiness when you're expressing from the ego. Never. You just cannot have ego and happiness, true happiness, true joy, true gratitude, true humility. You can never have that when you're in the egoic state. The ego is that part of us that is so selfish, so self-focused that it's oblivious to anything else. It can only see what it wants, its desires, its projections. It's that part of us that is so greedy, stingy, mean-spirited, unkind, harsh, vengeful, judgmental, vindictive, envious. That part that is totally separated from the divine sense of loving, well-being, and goodwill. You see, when you're of the light, you have you have the common good foremost in your attitude. You're thinking how to improve the quality of the life of the people around you. You care more for their well-being than you do your own because you're not focused on yourself. You're focused on life enhancement for everyone around you. It's just natural to your true self. And so we're observing, aren't we? Where we are, where people are, where the planet is, where the choices are, collectively, individually, in terms of nations, in terms of political heads of state. All of these people are showing their colors. They're showing the result of their choice. And others are perhaps vacillating, not sure where they want to align because they're so attached to what has been. So where are you in this equation? You know, it's your daily choices that lead you in a direction. Are your daily choices aligned with what you have referred to as your purpose? What is your purpose? And whether or not you're aware of what that purpose is, your choices are going to manifest in their subtotal 
conglomerate at some point. If you're very, very elderly, you're sitting in them. This is what your life has some totaled in your environment right now. Is it one of love? It's a beautiful thing when you see a very elderly person that's at peace with themselves, with their life, and are just sitting there in loving contentment. That's a beautiful, beautiful state to arrive at. A lifetime of making choices that are in service to your higher sense of self, your higher self, your higher being, is a life well lived. So look at the choices that you make each moment and what they are contributing to. With the advent of the world teacher in in this world, the one we call the Christ, the one that's called the Anointed One, the Messiah, every religion, every culture has different names that they call this one being. Some call him the Christ, some call him the Iman Mati, some call him the Buddha, some refer to him simply as the Anointed One or the Messiah or the Coming One or the Reappearing One. But there's one great Lord that is the Master alike of angels and of men who has overlighted a disciple at different times throughout our history. The most recent overlighting of this being was over the Master Jesus 2,000 years ago. So it's more appropriate to say Christ Jesus than to assume that Christ is the surname of the Master that we know historically as Jesus or Yeshua or Isa. That same Master overlighted the one we know as Sri Krishna. You can see we always are overlighted by that Master that stands as the sponsor of our life, that oversees us. We all have that upline connection with a greater being. And that being in turn with a greater being. And that being in turn with a greater and a greater and a greater so that you have a stepping down in lineages of specific master energies. And we're all connected in that. Every man, woman, and child initially has the connection with the high self. And then the high self with the master self. Individually, that's called the soul or the Christ consciousness within. But you have that same energy at each level. You have it individually. You have it 
on a planetary level, you have it on a systemic level, you have it on a solar level, you have it on a galactic level, you have it at each level, there's a stepping down by a being who has taken responsibility for commutating that energy down onto the planet. And on the planet, you and I are responsible for inviting, escorting, commutating, and serving as conduits of that Christed energy. And we're all part of that. We're all part of that continuum. So the one we call the world teacher, who actually bears the name accurately in Buddhism. In Buddhism, he is called um, Maitreya, which means the happy one. Maitreya Buddha. And that's his actual name, although as he comes forward now, he will be more likely called simply the teacher or world teacher. He has not come for any religious camp whatsoever. No one can lay exclusive claim to him. He comes for all humanity. And he comes with two energies that I want to speak about tonight because that's what we're dealing with when we see all of the divisiveness, all of the polarizations happening everywhere on the planet today. Part of that is because of the energy that he brings. So it looks pretty messy outwardly, but it has a very divine purpose behind it. The Lord Maitreya is overlighted by one called the Avatar of Synthesis. Synthesis is bringing everything into a collective so that you see the, the unification and the connecting link between all things. Everything is completely one. Although it looks separate, there is nothing isolated or separate in all of existence. We are like cells within the heart, mind of the Supreme. But when you get high enough and deep enough within your own internal being, you realize, oh, I am that. I am. Oh. There is only the self. I am. Listen to the prayer that Lord Maitreya has given for our repetition. Yes, you and I, this is the, quote, New Age prayer of Lord Maitreya that we are to realize defines our own self. Listen to this. I am the creator of the universe. I am the father and mother of the universe. Everything came from me. Everything shall return to me. Mind, body, spirit are my temples through which I realize my supreme being and becoming. Wow. Yeah. That's the state of awareness 
that the Lord is coming to awaken us into. His will be the science of self-realization. His teaching will teach us how to be truly honest in mind. And we have a mind that truly sees that which is, honestly, without embellishment, without filters, and we simply are honest of mind. Next, sincerity of purpose, sincerity of spirit. And lastly, detachment. We live in this world of constant flux and change where nothing is the same from one millisecond to the next. It takes form as we think. Our thoughts literally take the form of whatever appears to us. Our beliefs completely condition what we see or don't see. That's why we have to sort out what we've been indoctrinated into thinking, believing, um, the thoughts we have appropriated from other people, from religion, from science, from psychology, all the different ways we have been conditioned to think in certain ways that we really don't know what we believe, what we think. Well, we get an idea by looking at where we are because that's our thoughts made manifest. But on the other hand, when you ask somebody, well, you know, what's your opinion on such and such, they'll probably resource to something they've read or been taught, but they don't really have a thought or an opinion of their own that's original because they haven't looked beyond the mind and the conditioning or the ideological uh, mindset they have bought into. So the Lord Maitreya, the world teacher, will be working for us to begin to see beyond the conditioned mind into true vipassana, true um, self-inquiry. True self-inquiry. Who am I? Who am I really? beyond the skin encasement, beyond my conditioned thoughts, beyond my emotions, which change like the waves of the sea from moment to moment. Who am I beyond that? Who was I before I was born in this body? Who am I when I depart this body? Who am I if I incorporate in another physical form? That is what we need to answer for ourselves. All of the great self-realized men and women on the planet will give you an answer. But until you've realized it for yourself, you will always have a doubt. You must take the time and the energy and the interest to have your own experience so that you will know that you know. And once you do, no one can take that from you. So the Lord comes forward with the energy of synthesis to bring forward a unification of all the disparate 
facets of life so that we can see the whole within the most minute particle of existence. The fractals, if you will, contain the whole. The holograph contains the whole. That sort of idea. The other energy he brings is a sort of cleavage, which is what you see operating today on the planet. All of the conflict we have on the planet is basically the clashing of the old energies of the way things were and the incoming new energies that are totally unlike anything we've experienced before. Of course, established energy wants to stay established. It doesn't like to shift. It's become crystallized into our religions, our science, our way of living, our worldview, our politics. Everything is crystallized from the past, which obviously doesn't work. It's never worked, but we didn't have any other modus operandi actually to go with. So we kept repeating our history, which is why history has kept repeating itself. We go from one war to the next, to the next, to the next. The stock market goes up and down and up and down. We win one day, we lose the next. Everybody thought it was a crapshoot. Nobody realized that they were just repeating their old beliefs, their old thoughts. They're old methods. They're old ways. We are moving now into a time when we're quantum leaping from the egoic defined self to the divine externalized self. From the ego to the Christ, if you want to make it very simplistic. You see, the human being is simply a parenthesis in time between the animal evolution and the divine. It's that little parenthesis. It's that little dash point. It's the bridge. The animal human man simply eats, sleeps, mates, defends its property. That's about it. And we're not to live as human animals or animal humans, but to be that bridge that connects through the soul into the realms of divinity. Because our ultimate purpose is to manifest as a co-creator God. That's the big purpose. And so... Most people are still living at a very animal level unless they've started to awaken. Now, you have stood before this great Lord that we're describing. You have personally met him. If you're an initiate, you have definitely met him because he's the one that officiates at your first initiation and your second initiation. In your first initiation, you will have demonstrated complete mastery over your physical body. At your second initiation, you will have demonstrated mastery over your astral body. Now, 
that takes a long time to manifest completely through the human instrument. But it begins to show its effect. If you're a first-degree initiate, as many people are on the planet today, particularly amongst the light workers, you will have a great concern about the ecology of your environment and the impact you're making on your environment, and you will be very engaged in some form of trying to remedy what you consider to be problematic in how we live on the planet. You also may be very proficient in some skill, some sport or some uh, uh, gymnastic or some ability where you're demonstrating great control and mastery over your physical body. But in some way, you will be demonstrating that mastery over the physical form itself. In the second degree of initiation, you will demonstrate that you have entered the stream of service. You have entered the stream of the greater life. And you will be actively engaged in some form of service, something you will have appropriated as your mission, your purpose, your goal, and there will be a certain self-control that you have over the lower, uh, a lower emotional body, let's say. And again, it may take a whole lifetime or even up to seven before you fully, fully demonstrate that mastery. And so at those two initiations, you are initiated purposely and directly by the Lord Maitreya, or the one we call the Christ. The Christ we spoke of manifested through the Master Jesus, the Christ or the Lord Maitreya, same thing, manifested through Lord Krishna. He also manifested through Shankaracharya that started the Vedic tradition of Advaita, non-dualistic monism. So that same being appears again and again, overlighting an initiate, a disciple, and bringing forward this truth that we are essentially love. The world teacher is always the teacher of love and compassion. The Buddha joins as a brother in that same continuum, teaching the wisdom of compassion. Now, the Buddha was the very, very last one to attain perfection on the previous cycle of evolution that we call the moon chain. And the Lord Maitreya was the very first to achieve that initiation and integration on the physical planet Earth in what we call the Earth chain. So there's a, a progression through each of these ages and chains of evolution. A chain is a series of seven globes that are like incarnations or subtle vehicles of the physical planet. So the Earth will have like seven different incarnations or globes or versions of itself. And right now, we're on the third dimensional Earth, and it's beginning to move into its next incarnation or globe, which we call the, quote, New Earth. It's, in actuality, 
like a blending of the physical third dimension with what we would call the astral body. It's not a big leap. It's a subtle leap into a less dense corporeal manifestation. That's what people refer to as the ascension. And as that, let's say, evolution or progression continues, when you find yourself in the last, the seventh globe or the seventh incarnation, you are in the realm of the supreme Atma or Paramatma. You're in the unified oneness of the all that is at that point. And you see, we have the same subtle bodies in the human form. You have the physical body. You have the uh, the physical etheric. You have the physical uh, the astral, causal, mental, etheric. Then you have the soul body. Then you have the spirit body. So you have the seven seven subtle aspects of yourself, just as the planets do, or just as any other orb in the sky has. We all have a septenary series of sheaths that step down our light, our individual spirit, into physical manifestation. I hope this isn't too esoteric or too far out, but it's important to understand that we are a continuum of light and love. We're not static. We're not just this body, just this life, just this world. We have an infinite ability to manifest our beingness throughout eternity. And there's always more. So the sword of cleavage right now is causing people who were important in your life before to suddenly begin to lose pace with you in some way. They're just out of sync with you as you keep moving forward and making the choices that align you with the divine, with love, with the common good. As you keep making those choices, those people not aligned with that are not going to find anything in common with you anymore and they're going to gradually fade out. They may be family members. So be prepared for that. They may, they may be friends that you've had for decades, but all of a sudden they're just somewhere else in their head and their interests and their behavior and their choices. On the other hand, you may suddenly reunite with friends you haven't seen for many, many decades. And all of a sudden they enter your life and you're on the same page. That's another thing that's happening. So as people fall away from your life, there will be those, those that are suddenly coming in. And that may surprise you. It may be somebody you knew many years ago, and, uh, and now all of a sudden, it's like you never separated company at all. You feel like you've just always been with that person. So that's the effect of the sword of cleavage. That which is unlike your choices, your purpose, your life goal and objective will be with you. And those that are not will not. So again, it's important to 
look at who is keeping up with you and who is fading out of your life. And don't run after them. Don't try to keep fellowship with someone that there's no fellowship to be had. And be very vigilant on how you feel after you've been with certain people. Those who are not progressing spiritually will drain your energy. Sometimes they're called energy vampires, which is kind of a rough way to refer. But you'll feel drained and dispirited and uh, not happy. <laughs> not happy in, in the presence of someone who is not in harmony with your, with your true essence. So just notice, become aware, like when you integrated yourself when we begin the seminar, become more and more aware of what it feels like when you're really aligned with your true self, when you're centered. Observe when you chant how the mind is quieted and the agitation is dissolved. Become aware of that. Become aware of how you feel when you go certain places, when you eat certain foods, when you're in the company of certain people. And watch their behavior. People so often say they, they want enlightenment. They want to wake up. They want to realize their divine self. And then you look at their life. They're drinking. Why would anyone want to take in a substance in their body which purposely numbs you out, makes you less sensitive, and eventually unconscious? and kills your brain cells. Why would anyone in their right mind choose to put a toxin in their body that kills their brain cells, that numbs them from being aware, present, and conscious? A little crazy, don't you think? But you look at the behavior of people. You look at the choices they're making. Why would anyone that wants to move into a higher state of consciousness, hang out in a bar or bar hop or go to places where people are engaging in behaviors that are the total opposite of one who would want to cultivate a higher awakened state of consciousness. You know, that's taking a very simplistic point of view, but it's something a lot of people uh, are involved with, even light workers. And you have to ask yourself, well, based on the choices you're making, you're not going to be moving toward enlightenment at all. You're going to be moving toward self-destruction and numbing yourself out and becoming less aware and less sensitive and less responsive to spirit. And there are many, many things that we do that do the same thing. What about drugs? Well, if you talk to someone like Ramdas or, or those who have taken a lot of hallucinogenic drugs, you'll notice they're not taking them today. Why? Well, they found out that, that through taking the drugs, they crashed. They came back. They weren't able to sustain that higher state of consciousness. So obviously, it just brought them up and then brought them down and brought them up and brought them down. And pretty soon, they'd fried their brain, damaged their nervous system, 
And where do you go with that? Well, fortunately, in the case of Ram Das, he had a great master, a great guru that took him in tow and cleaned him up, got him on the right path. So drugs are not a way to go into higher consciousness. Drugs are a way to go into the realm closest to the earth called the astral realm. And then when the drugs wear off, you come back. Now, sometimes it's useful for people who are very, very linear, very locked into their lower mind. It gives them a jolt experience of experiencing something higher. At least it opens them up to a possibility there's something beyond their daily humdrum life. So for some people, it's useful. But only up to a certain point. Now, those of us on the path of, of the sound current who have been initiated into the divine light and sound, it's not useful at all. In fact, it will densify you into the astral and block your further progression. So it becomes a block and a, a serious detriment to one who would want to transcend the soul with the soul into and beyond the uh, you know, beyond the mind, beyond the psychic realms, into the higher positive realms of spirit. So we do not, uh, the path that I teach and the path that I'm part of, I would not ever encourage anyone to take hallucinogenic drugs. And you might have come with that in your background, and that's fine. But now we're going to go beyond these psychic realms, and we're going into the very highest positive realms of spirit, which are accessed only through the soul, the soul body, not the astral body, the soul body. So when you study the different spiritual paths, you'll notice that they all have a point that they come to the end. I found most paths usually are cul-de-sac that, that cycle you right back into the cycle of karma and reincarnation because that's what the belief system is. The belief system is one that you have to take a long, long time and many lifetimes to achieve whatever. In the sound current teachings, we don't have that type of um, understanding. We come down through the top of the head. We don't come up through the bottom chakra, up through the kundalini. We don't go that route. We come down directly from the soul into and no lower than the third eye. That is the part of the body that Jesus referred to when he said in the Bible, and if your eye be single, your whole body will be filled with light. When you are established in that brow chakra, in that place, in the center of your head, wherein the soul is seated, you do not live from karma. You live then truly in that transcendental state. Truly, you are in soul transcendence when you live from the brow chakra on up. But there's karma in every chakra beneath the brow. Every single one. But when you get to the crown chakra, that's the place of the synthesis. That's where they all become one and you will find a thousand-petal lotus that replicates in certain petals that open that represent the sum total of the wisdoms that you have achieved or attained in each of the lower chakras. 
So you see, you don't lose anything. And that becomes then the crown of synthesis that all enlightened beings seem to have. They all have the ability to see the whole. In fact, it's characteristic of someone who's enlightened. They have that expanded vision of the sense of the oneness of all things. It's just natural. So the sword of cleavage is basically working through each of the centers of consciousness wherever a person is integrated, whichever chakra they're living out of that forms their reality. It's cutting them free from those fetters. It's an inside job. Those of you that are part of the study called The Course in Miracles, it's an inside job that the Divine Spirit is actually doing with you and for you when you open your willingness. When you say, Lord, have your way, thy will be done. Then you've given God the wiggle room to go in and cut you free from all of those things that have been unnecessary fetters, outgrown, obsolete patterns, unproductive, self-destructive habit patterns, and all you have to do is ask. That's the path of grace. It's not trying to, to fix yourself, because obviously we can't. But it's allowing the Holy Spirit, the Spirit indwelling you, the Christ within you, to set you free. And then we realize the statement in the Bible where it says, and if the Spirit sets you free, you are free indeed. Now that freedom manifests within you as a spiritual strength you didn't even know you had. And things that are not productive and goal-fitting to what you want to manifest in your life fall away. All of a sudden you have no desire to drink, no desire to smoke, no desire to take drugs. There's no withdrawal. You just simply don't have an interest in that anymore. It, you were cut free. You were set free. And what did you do? You asked. You asked. You opened the opportunity. And freedom manifested. So this is both a time of testing and a time of choosing. And based on where you place your focus, you're either going toward what you have said you want to manifest or your choices are taking you away from it. And your job as an individual person is to have enough awareness to take control of your life and keep it in sync with what she would have be real for you, with what she would have be the world you would live in. Because until we have a world that has outlawed war, we're not going to have the higher extraterrestrial technologies brought onto our planet. But if you are at war in yourself, with your friends, with your family, with your people you're working with at work, if there's war going on in your personal life, if you can't even get along with people in your personal environment, then your choice is to keep promoting discord 
and warring and disharmony. So until it begins with you and flows through you, you're contributing to the problem. And right now the biggest test for humanity is whether you want to keep perpetrating discord and disharmony and hatred and againstness and all of the ego's agenda or are you going to let go and let that divine love that you truly are flow through you and through your daily life and through your daily choices and through your daily interactions with your family, your loved ones and people around you. That's going to show that you've made a choice to align yourself with the Christ, with Lord Maitreya, with the world teacher, with the extraterrestrials that are coming and more that will be coming who will help us move into an incredible golden age beyond your imagining. It will be so glorious. But we have to make that choice for global harmony because they're not going to cast their pearls before the swine of the egoic consciousness. They're just not going to do it. They're not going to take the chance of us destroying ourselves with advanced technology. So really consider whether you're contributing to global harmony and peace, or are you out there fighting and warring and contributing to the disharmony of this planet. That's our test. That's our choice. So I hope this has been helpful. (laughs) And um, God willing, I'll be with you this time next week. You've been listening to Commander Lady Ashtar, Athena, directly from the Ashtar Command, speaking on behalf of our United Fleets and our ground crew here on Earth Assignment. Blessings and grace to each one of you. And we'll go out chanting one long hue. Namaste.